we're talking about a year in, 18 months into these careers, your relationship with money shifts when you're not paycheck to paycheck anymore. Hi, I'm Anita Smith. I'm Bradley Rice. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to, to the, the Salesforce, Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's show, our guests share how they got to design their careers around their lives instead of the other way around. We both work about four days a week, and that allows us to have a really balanced life with our kids. With Salesforce, I was able to visit my family in the Philippines, many of whom I hadn't seen in over five years. Also, the panel comes up with ideas for a new kind of career hack. All right, guys, forget about Salesforce. Just move to Australia. <laughs> Bradley Rice's next class, how to move to Australia. <laughs> in six months or less. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Salesforce for Everyone podcast. In today's episode, we're once again going to be interviewing a panel, but we're going to do things a little bit differently today. Usually, we're talking to individuals who have transitioned from one career into a Salesforce career. But today, we're talking to individuals who have more than one year of Salesforce experience and less than two years. But the thing they all have in common is that they're already making over $100,000, and they've gotten there in a variety of ways. So I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. And to help me dive in on this topic, I have Anita Smith. How's it going, Anita? Hey, it's going pretty well. How about yourself? I am doing well. Yeah, things are good. You know, we, we moved to Texas about six, eight months ago now. And I feel like we're finally settling into a routine. Evelyn is knee deep into school and doing her thing. So that's new for us. So I feel like we're finally getting settled in. Oh, wait, this is her first year, right? So um, what are you doing with all your free time? Oh, man. Well, I'm filling it up like any good person does. I, I take my free time and then very quickly fill it with other things. But yeah, I mean, she's at school until I go pick her up every day at two o'clock. So I don't have a ton of time. I get off work at you know, 12, 12.30, and I've got about an hour, hour and a half to do my thing and then, then go pick her up. So yeah, I, I do have more freedom, but not as much as you might imagine. Pretty cool lifestyle design you have going on. And some of our guests have some really cool work-life balance things going on as well. So let's go ahead and introduce them. First up, Dennis and Adad, welcome to the show. Hi, everyone. Nice to be here. My name is Dennis and Adad. If you haven't heard me before, I was a guest on Chooseify episode 322. I'm so happy to be chatting with everyone. I'm currently based out of Chicago, Illinois. But if you had asked me the question a few months ago, I would be based in Vietnam or the Philippines. I'm currently working as a Salesforce consultant, and I've been a Talent Stacker alumni since December 2020, so a little under two years. Welcome. Thank you. And our next panelist is Tanya England. Welcome. Thanks, Anita. I'm happy to be here. So my name's Tanya England, and I'm located down in Melbourne, Australia. I'm currently working as a Salesforce consultant, and I became a Talent Stacker alumni back in March of 2021. So a little over a year and a half ago. Nice. And we have a repeat guest. Welcome back to the show, Tucker. Always good to be back here. So obviously, you guys probably heard from me before. My name is Tucker Gartner. I am in Omaha, Nebraska, and I became a Talent Stacker alumni in February of 2021, I want to believe is what it was. And I'm currently a senior Salesforce admin at a local bank. Awesome. And our final guest is Mallory Donahue. Welcome. Hi, everybody. I'm Mallory Donahue. I became a Talent Stacker alumni in May of 2021. I had heard Bradley and Anita on Choose FI, and I bit the bullet after listening to Denison. So uh, things have really come full circle for me there. I am based in Columbia, Missouri. I'm an associate consultant at Slalom. I work on the digital engagement team there, which means chatbots for me right now. And so, yeah, joined Talent Stacker May 14th of 2021. I signed an offer letter late July, started my job on August 9th of 2021. So, yeah, happy to be here. Oh, thank you guys so much. And for those of you wondering, Denison's episode on Choose FI is episode 322. Yeah, that's perfect. So make sure to go check that out. So I think the first question to kick this thing off is, I would like to understand, you know, how have your lives changed? In the last 18 months. I mean, really, if you think about everyone and they just shared the dates, it's about a year and a half ago. And you would think not a lot changes. Like most people, when they say 
you know, what's changed in my life in the last year? It might be a couple of different things, but usually nothing too drastic, nothing too crazy. But but I, I would like to understand for you guys, how have things changed? You know, are you traveling more? Are you saving more money? Do you sleep better at night knowing that your financial stability is okay? Like there's a lot of things that change when you change careers. So yeah, let's dive in. If, if you don't mind kicking us off, Tanya. Sure. So our lives pretty much did a 180 in that before I started in Salesforce, I was mostly an at-home mum and my husband was working a very stressful job that was quite physical and also really a mental drain on him. And that affected my whole family. It wasn't just about him or me. It was our two young kids as well. So when we relocated from Atlanta to Australia, our plan was always for both of us for me to rejoin the workforce and for us to have more of a balanced life where we could both work part-time and share the responsibilities with our kids and our home life and also the shared responsibility of earning our money. And so that 100% has come to fruition for us. Aside from the fact that we both work about four days a week, the jobs I've had have always been four days and he works about the same and that allows us to have a really balanced life with our kids We're both there and available for them before and after school. We can have long weekends. And of course, my job means that we can travel when the kids might have vacation and I can continue to work. So it's really completely changed our lives. That's amazing. So I would love to hear more. I don't want to totally take the podcast off course though, um, but I would love to hear more about the four-day work week and how you work that out. So maybe we'll jump into lifestyle design and career design in a little bit. So yeah, who who wants to jump in next? I can go here. Just being like, obviously one of the younger people on here, like, like you kind of mentioned the sleep at night, like I'm planning a wedding and right now everything for my fiance and starting to get like a life planned out. I use plan very loosely because I know life always throws curveballs, you know, but like I just sleep better at night of knowing like I can provide that for the wedding of my fiance's dreams and not have to worry about where that extra money going to come from? Are my parents going to help out more? I can tell them to sit back, relax a little bit. And all the college finances are going to help kind of fall into tuition a little bit more, which if I was still at my previous job making just over 50K a year, that would be a lot higher of a stress than what I'm currently at. And I'm just kind of riding on me. I can live at ease a little bit more and do more of those fun things and kind of go out of the box and be kind of more adventurous with it. Congratulations on the recent engagement. Okay, so I know a little bit about Denison's story, so I want you to go next. Sure. Salesforce has been completely life-changing for me in ways that I could never predict, and I'm so happy that I made the leap into this career change. If you're thinking about Salesforce and you have no idea where it's going to take you, uh, hopefully a little bit of my story can kind of inspire you to make something for yourself with this career. So with Salesforce, I was able to visit my family in the Philippines, many of whom I hadn't seen in over five years. And I got to stay in Southeast Asia between Vietnam and the Philippines working over two months just because of the remote nature of Salesforce. Any other career I've had prior to Salesforce, I would not have been able to kind of negotiate with my employer's you know, none of them would have listened to me if I said, hey, could I work in Asia for a few months? (laughs) Salesforce just kind of gives you that negotiating power. And it was something that was kind of one of my non-negotiables going into the job that I'm in currently. I mean, on top of doubling my salary within (laughs) like two years and like other benefits, that was kind of the biggest one for me. I mean, I'm happy to talk more about any of those. Oh, so much to unpack. But I also want to hear from Mallory as well, because she has a cool story. Yeah. So maybe I'm one of the older people on the call. Uh, <laughs> I I have had a, you know, kind of like a whole career before getting into Salesforce. My degree is uh, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts in dance, visual art, and costume design. And I ran my family's sewing machine dealership for almost a decade. So I have a lot of familiarity with the, you know, kind of machinations of what you have to do to run a business, even if it's on a very small scale. And then we took that all online, have a YouTube channel, a podcast, a series of online courses all about garment sewing. And actually, it's something I still do. And when I took that online, I was looking for flexibility. I bet all of us have had some kind of 
experience with retail. Either we've shopped somewhere or we've worked in a retail environment. And I was like, I'm paying thousands of dollars in rent every month so that someone could maybe come in and torture me for like two hours at a time. And I was just really looking for a change to have more control over my own time. Also, I've got two small children and my time is very valuable because that's a, you know, a very scarce resource. Anyway, I heard Bradley on the Choose a Five podcast and I was, you know, the name of of the challenge originally, sorry if this is too much of a throwback, but, you know, was like the 60K in six months challenge. And I was like, I definitely understand at this point in my life how money, like cold, hard cash can help me achieve my goals. It can help me spend more time with my kids. It can help me, you know, to be healthier. It's not wrong for me to want to make more money. You know, it's totally okay. But I still, I held it at arm's length and I thought, I don't want to just do this you know, for the money. It took me five or six months to decide to do it. COVID hit and I had to keep like the children in my family home because I had the flexible career. And I I kept nieces and nephews. I kept my own kids. It was very challenging. Bradley, I know you like really enjoy spending a lot of time with your kid. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's just the one though. I mean, you're, you're talking about a whole whole tribe in the house. (laughs) Also, I'm the only adult in my family without an advanced degree in education. The rest are teachers. And then I was the one keeping them home, like, you know, during this time. Anyway, being a stay-at-home parent is not for me. And so I wanted to pursue this. It's totally free to go on Trailhead and give it a try. That's why I tell my friends, you know, see if this is something you even like to do. And I just kept finding the more I learned about Salesforce, the more I learned that I knew things about Salesforce or about the problems that Salesforce was trying to solve. So if you're listening to this and you're like, what the heck are they talking about? You know, dive in, give it a little bit of a, of a search or, you know, research a little bit and you'll start to find, find connections to your past experiences. So the best thing that this has done is, well, I guess the most recent thing is we just closed on a house in our absolute dream neighborhood. It is a historical home and I... I was just moving boxes in there today after taking a weekend girls trip to Colorado with my high school friends. These are all sentences I just didn't think would be coming out of my mouth. I have just been able to like really make some, like do some cool stuff. Took the family to Florida for a week on the beach this past summer. You know, I've got health insurance, so like I can go to therapy. Just so many things. Also, it's an engaging, fabulous career. And I like really love the people I work with. They are cool people. We are supportive. We are creative. We're having a great time. So honestly, as you know, like I said, going to therapy, like being okay with uh, being this happy is something I've been working on. Uh, I've just really, I think about you all the time, Anita, Bradley, <laughs> you know, and, and Dennis and the difference this has, has made. It's just been really positive for me and my family. So thank you. Did I answer the question? Yes, and some. <laughs> that is amazing. Congratulations. It's so exciting to hear like everyone doing big things. We got weddings, we got house buying. I want to dig in next into Tanya's four-day work week. So do you mind describing the conversation when you first mentioned to your husband, you're going to try to have a four-day work week? Like, how did that go? So this was during the pandemic. And I was working full time, but we were kind of falling apart all over the place with the homeschooling. And it was such a stress with me trying to get in those hours of full time. So there was no, he cheered and was like, thank God, how quickly can we make this happen? And so I talked to HR at my work and they were super supportive, you know, let us know if four days is enough or if you need to even pull back further. They were fantastic. We started pretty much immediately at four days and it was a dramatic change for our family. Now, when the kids went back to school earlier this year, I think it was, I talked to them and thought, oh, I can go back to full time. I can handle this. And after about two or three weeks, I hated it. And we made the decision again with my husband that the money was not worth it. We didn't need to have that extra money as much, as nice as it was it didn't fit with our lifestyle. So I pulled back again to four days and we agreed that that is the most that I can work. I just love this. Like lifestyle design and career design and where those two things meet are like my favorite topic on the planet because you're reversing the roles, like especially 
And I mean, you're in Australia, so I can't speak for Australia, but I know in North America, it is very much societally normal to you design a life that fits the career that you have. Your life revolves around your career, whether or not your kids go to daycare or full-time school or homeschool or whether or not you travel or don't travel or whatever else. It revolves around your career 90 plus percent of the time. And I feel like we're about to go full circle on this podcast episode, talking to people who have found a way to design their career around their life and around their values, because I've already heard multiple, you know, I think the two on the podcast who have children are talking about children and how they're able to take a career and use it flexibly to get the balance they want between personal and family and work. And I think we should call out to the audience that working a four day week is not normal, by the way, like Salesforce careers are very much nine to five jobs when we look at it from sort of the outside looking in. So if we can spend just a little bit longer talking about something that you're hitting on that I try to advise our alumni on, and that's having what a lot of people would refer to as difficult conversations with their companies. And it's a little bit awkward for most people, maybe not for you, Tanya, but for most people, it's awkward to talk to HR and especially to go, I'm going to do four days. Can I do five days? No, I want to do four days again. Like that feels so uncomfortable to most people, but your why is so strong that it doesn't matter. It's worth a million hard conversations to design the life that you want. So I guess for anyone out there who's going, well, I work a full-time job or I've been looking at Salesforce as a full-time job, how might I go about designing a little bit different way of life for myself? So I'll pick that up again. I just wasn't afraid to have that conversation. And thankfully, HR and also my immediate team lead, they were just super responsive. And they understood that if I was stressed at work, then I wasn't going to be producing quality work. So how can we make this work for you and for us? And then I'll follow that on with, I actually transitioned to a different company. And in that time when I was interviewing, I only ever interviewed with companies that were willing to talk about a four-day week. I told the recruiters, anybody else who reached out to me that I would love to have a conversation, but I want you to know this up front. It's just a four-day week that I'm after. So if that's something that you would like to talk about or we can have a conversation, let's do it. That's amazing. So the audience can't see this, but Tucker has his hand raised. He wants to jump in on this. So yeah, what do you, what do you got, Tucker? The four-day week to me just blows my mind. Like it just like being, like you said, North America, it's not a common deal or even probably in Australia as well, by the way, Tanya's making it sound. But like if you have that intention when you go into those conversations with recruiters and stuff, it's definitely possible as it's part of that flexibility. And like you got to be determined that's what you want. But to me, it speaks of the in-demand feature of Salesforce admin still. If it was truly plentiful, the recruiters wouldn't even let that even be a conversation, right? But where it is so in-demand, that's where those conversations are just so powerful to be able to have. And you can truly design that lifestyle, kind of like what you and you've been saying, Brad. And to your point, like it only gets easier the more Salesforce experience you have, the stronger position you're coming from, and the easier it gets to position yourself in that way and say like, hey, look... I know I might sound like I'm trying to roll out the red carpet, but this is what I'm looking for in my life. And I don't feel like I'm asking for too much. Can you meet me somewhere? And I, I remember I had about five years of experience when I went to an employer that was hiring for a full-time job. And I said, hey, look, my daughter had just been born. And it was like the catalyst for me to go like, I'm not working full-time anymore. I'm making way more money than I ever dreamed I would make. Like, forget the money. Like Tanya's saying, like, forget the money. There are more important things in life and for a lot of people listening right now, you're probably going like, wait, 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 forget the money. Like I have a career so I can make money. That's the mind shift that occurs. We're talking about a year in, 18 months into these careers, your relationship with money shifts when you're not paycheck to paycheck anymore. And you start making more creative decisions around how you want your life to look and how your career can make that happen for you and not the other way around. So it really is an incredible thing. And by the way, I did land that job and they gave me full benefits, $70,000 a year working 20 hours a week from home. So that was pretty cool. So I could see Dennison, you want to you wanna jump in on this, it looks like. I just wanted to piggyback off of what Tanya said about kind of negotiating or having difficult conversations because it, it resonated a little bit with my story as well. Just a little bit of context, I'm in my third Salesforce role. The first two didn't pan out, but while I was interviewing for the third role, 
I wasn't necessarily pressed to get it. So I was a lot bolder with my conversations with hiring managers and recruiters and telling them, hey, I really want to be able to work abroad for months at a time. Is this something you're okay with? Which kind of filtered out many companies. But the ones that were actually open to having that conversation, I followed through. And because I wasn't pressed to find a new job, I I was a lot more confident in my interviews. And I ultimately landed with my current role. And I mean, in terms of the salary, in terms of the benefits, and being able to get what I wanted from the outset, it's pretty amazing. And to what Tucker was saying earlier, the in-demand nature of Salesforce, I feel like if I were to lose my job, I could probably find another job just tapping into the Salesforce network or LinkedIn or Talent Stacker. It just kind of builds on itself. So another thing that's different down in Australia is that the benefits are not such a big thing. Our jobs don't come with health insurance. And I know that makes a huge difference to everybody that I talk to in which job they might take whether it's the level of their health insurance or the waiting period, there might be a gap from one job that they have to cover. And I know that people take that into consideration because it's really important, but that's not a stress that we have down under. Wait, what? For those Americans that have not been outside of the country, (laughs) what, what now? Your job isn't tied to health insurance? Correct. They are not tied to health insurance at all. That seems lovely. It is. It does seem like a beautiful world, like where you can leave a job and get another one and not have your entire health insurance world shift. Yep. Yeah, I know for me, health insurance made a play for my role. The job I initially got didn't come with health insurance. So I actually had to negotiate to get reimbursed to pay out of pocket for my own health insurance. And then we also have the difference with, um, I know you have a 401k, all those kinds of things. And in Australia, it's just a standard 10% that the company has to contribute to your retirement. No matching? Just they give you 10%? I don't live in freaking Australia. <laughs> they give you 10% that's required. Oh my God. We can contribute, but that's it. And Australia has a, like a ridiculous high minimum wage as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> Your guys is in the 20s or something? Um, I know 17-year-olds who are making $18 an hour just on a regular weekday. All right, guys, forget about Salesforce. Just move to Australia. (laughs) That's the career hack. Bradley Rice's next class, how to move to Australia. (laughs) In six months or less. (laughs) We're going to nail it. Oh, man. So I wanted to shift the focus a little bit. I'm hearing a lot of people, the way you guys are negotiating, you're doing it as you're applying for a new job. So it seemed like a few of you have job hopped a bit, but I think Mallory and myself have this in common where we are still with our first consultancy. Is that right, Mallory? Yeah, um, I am. So <laughs> I, wa- I wanted you to like maybe, because I struggled with this when I was like, oh, I want to make more money. Let me just go find another job. But I really like where I work. So what was your thought process? And What was your internal self-talk to convince yourself to just ask your current employer for more money instead of going somewhere else? So without getting into too many details, since I do still work there, (laughs) I just want to say, so when you get your certification and you start posting on LinkedIn and you do everything that Bradley and co tell you to do in Talent Stacker, you will just talk to so many recruiters and you will have low quality interactions and you will have high quality interactions and it only takes a few high quality interactions, right? To make a difference in your life. So as you go about that, you know, nurture your relationships as much as you can. And if you get a job that won't let you travel, you know, to Asia or won't give you the four day work week, I think I'm echoing Bradley's advice and saying, hey, get your first year of experience, get your first six months and then start to, you know, go, go, go. So I was just put in a position where I really got to show some of my unconventional value to my employer from the skills that I had from my past lives or whatever. And it really showed them oh, this person can do these things and it's going to benefit us to keep them here. And, you know, I think that some of you are like, well, why didn't they know that already? Well, they didn't know me. You know, they didn't know me. I worked to gain trust and to show what I could do and and do well on some projects. And that's what helped in my negotiations. So, 
even if I think a lot of people are going to be listening to this podcast and are going to be like, how do I make over 100K? And I've just been there. Okay. So I definitely can commiserate and empathize. So you you do have to do good work and then you'll be in that position. And I'm not going to curse. Um, I do curse on my sewing podcast. They love it. Uh, but I had uh, somebody tell me, they were like, well, now position you're in Mallory, you are unmess withable, you know? And so I feel I, I don't want to get too arrogant, but once you're here and you're showing good work, you've got those skills and you've nurtured those relationships, you know, let's pretend you get laid off. Let's, you know, something happens. Like it's not even like something you want to do. Like there's just lots of reasons to become unmess withable and you can use it from there. So just keep all that going, take care of yourself, show your employer how valuable you are in whatever way you can. And that's what I did. I like that a lot. And just to reiterate, like, I just really enjoy the way I think everyone on this panel is thinking. You can tell that there's just more clarity around the way everyone thinks about their job. I mean, it's it's really cool. I could talk about it all day. But the, the one thing I want to harp on that you mentioned that I try to tell people in the career development program is your first job does not need to be your dream job. And I, I see that over and over again, where people are being so picky. And I'm all for like, don't dive into a job that seems sketchy. Don't dive into a job where you haven't met your manager, interviewed with your team yet, and you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. And it feels sketch. Like, yeah, don't do that. But there's some people who maybe want an analyst role, but they got an offer for an admin role, or they want to be a consultant, but they got an offer for an internal company, or they want to work for a team, not solo. And they, and they just force themselves and, and they go, well, I, I declined another job offer because I'm looking for these five boxes to be checked. And it's like, well, maybe we could settle on three of those boxes being checked. And the most important thing, and I, I think another one of those things is, hey, look, the average entry level income is like 70K but this one offered me 65K. I'm going to negotiate really hard or hold out for somebody who pays 70K. And the math doesn't even make sense. Just get six months of experience and now you're probably worth closer to 80K. And it just makes sense to accept the job offer right away. Now, know your value, know your worth. Don't let somebody take advantage of you. But your first job does not need to be your dream job because when you have one year of experience, it's easier to go grab your dream job. When you have five years experience, it's way, way easier. And it just as you grow and as you learn, you'll figure out what you want and the roles you like and the type of work you enjoy. And that's going to lead you into what's actually going to be your dream job because your dream job before you start your job is probably misguided. It's probably not quite what you're looking for anyway. So give yourself six months, give yourself a year and a half, and you can really dial in on what that dream job is and go after it. So it looks like everyone's looking to chime in on this topic. So yeah, who wants to jump in? I'm going to jump in. I just want to say that I have been offered more jobs and even some more money. And I've been like, it's not for me right now. Like I said, I really like my team. I, and it's not like I, I mean, I do like the people, but it is a job. You know, they're they're not my family. Like even though we we love to interact with one another, but like, I do value those things. If you have to work on a team, it's really nice to like the team that you're working with, right? Those things that are intangible, Bradley, like you said, like we're all speaking with some clarity around our choices. I feel like I have been able to gain a lot of clarity. Other people I talked to are like, oh, somebody offered you like another $10,000. Like, why are you at, what, what the heck? Like I would be gone in a second. I'm like, actually in this, business and in this environment, there are some things that are worth more. And I actually know that maybe if I stick around, I might actually end up in a better place. So definitely gaining that clarity has been really helpful. Kind of going on that too, with what Brad was saying, it's like that $5,000 on that first job, I was in that role too, but uh, in that position, but like I uh, had a little bit different perspective on it. I contracted with them a little bit before I went on full time with them. They knew me, I knew them, so I was able to leverage that. But in reality, when you think about it, don't let $5,000 make or break your first deal or even a dream job. Because when you think about that, that's less than $500 a month difference. Like when you really break it down after taxes, it's probably less than $100 a month difference or $200 a month difference, depending on your incomes and taxes and stuff like that, you know. But it's like 
I told myself after that first one, I negotiated $5,000. Like that's kind of a petty amount to want to negotiate, but I knew I had that leverage with them just because they knew me and do they really want to bring someone on to onboard and then go through that whole process again? Like, unless you're in that type of situation, obviously you always try to get a little bit more just to let them know that you're not someone just to fold, but it's not worth losing that dream job or that first role on. If you can get half those boxes checked, you're doing something pretty dang good. And I'll uh, just carry on with what Brad said there. My first role was a business analyst and I accepted the role without even knowing what it meant. I wanted to work for that company. <laughs> I knew that they were a Salesforce partner and I'd met a few other people. And my mode of thought was, I need a job. I need experience. I'm going to get both of it. Whether my title's admin or consultant or business analyst, I'm going to get my hands in there. I'm going to get dirty and I'm going to learn. And so I just took it. Yeah, I have the same thread line as um, Tanya. My first role, I didn't really negotiate because I was just so giddy. And I, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to mess this up. So my first role was as a junior Salesforce admin. The work ended up being more like solo admin and was kind of really rough, especially as my first role. And after a few months, it just didn't pan out. And I took another role from the referral of a talent stacker. So all to say, I kind of didn't play the best cards, but it still worked out for me even now. So with all the mistakes I've made, I still ended up landing a six-figure job and a career with great benefits and awesome people to work with. So take that first role, get the experience. And then, you know, if it's not your dream job, opportunities abound. Yep. And it goes back to what Mallory said earlier about having those high quality conversations, your high quality conversation with a fellow talent stacker got you your next role. I, I love it. Networking is so powerful, guys. And it's so much easier nowadays for introverts. Back in the day, you had to like do it in person, but now you can just do it through LinkedIn. So don't sleep on the networking, okay? All right. So I kind of want to go back to Denison and talk about this geo-arbitraging. You kind of snuck into. And for those who don't know what geo-arbitraging is, it's basically moving to a lower cost of living area. So most people think like, yeah, move out internationally outside of the States, but you could just move to a cheaper state or, or city. Anyways, so Denison, can you tell me about the day you realized you could work remotely from anywhere? Well, <laughs> to answer that, like Salesforce as a career was my first foray into working fully remote. Prior to Salesforce, I was going into an office and I was working a career that I was tied to being somewhere physically. So that's kind of a, a separate journey for me is like, okay, what's it like to work fully remote, not going into an office or seeing my coworkers in person, let alone my coworkers being in a, another state, not even talking about another country. And then take that idea, move forward with, okay, if I can work anywhere with an internet connection and I can manage the time zone differences, what are the limits to where I could work? And from there, I basically went into the rabbit hole of, okay, I don't think I'll be moving abroad full-time, you know, in a very long time. So what can I do in like the short term? And that was what led to the idea of, okay, what if I just worked from somewhere, even like a few weeks, and then how far could I stretch that? And so I thought maybe a few months. And then I thought of my family who lived in the Philippines. And I was like, okay, well, I can't stay a few weeks there because just traveling one way over there takes like three days. And then with the time zone difference, it takes me a while to adjust. So I was like, okay, maybe like a few months is a good cutoff point. So that was what I ultimately tried to figure out if I could do. So when I was interviewing for my third role, I just threw out casually during the interview, hey, this is something I want to do, work abroad for a few months. Is this something I could work with you and the team on to make work as a working arrangement? Ultimately, I landed with a company that is very supportive of that. And I was able to work abroad from Vietnam and the Philippines. And my clients were super happy. My team was super happy. I got to see my family and I, I was even asked at one point if I could work with a client that was based out of China. And I had to say no, because I was my trip was ending. <laughs> but that's how uh, it's strange, because when I tell people I, I'm working from Asia, a lot of people are very supportive and happy. It's just they don't realize that it's a possibility. 
That is amazing. So you did something you wanted to do, and then more opportunities came from that. So for those who have normal jobs, they're not in the tech world, like how does that even work? You're not in the same time zone. How do you have meetings? How do you get your, your work done? Like, can you go into that? Yeah. So this might be a little too in the weeds, so I'll try and keep it brief. But basically, the arrangement that I settled on with clients, especially who are all in North American time zones, was you have me from 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. your time, which is 8 p.m. to midnight in Asia. So it's asynchronous. And basically, I could have meetings at night. And then while everyone is still working throughout the day, I am asleep. And then while everyone is asleep, I'm working. So sometimes clients got emails from me at 3, 4 a.m., but that's because that's when it's daylight for me. So uh, for those of you who don't know about asynchronous work, so when you work virtually or remote, the work that you do can be done outside of meetings. It doesn't have to be done at the same time as uh, having someone else there as, say, when you're working together in an office. So the nature of Salesforce, you can get requirements of something that needs to be completed and then turn off the camera, turn off Zoom, whatever, and then go do your work. When you complete that is kind of up to your schedule and as as well as the deadlines you have for those requirements. So when I talk about working asynchronously from Asia, I got the requirements from clients at night. And then the next day when I woke up, I did the work, but effectively the clients would be asleep, which kind of worked out because clients had a, like, they knew the expectation and then they were happy knowing that the work was getting done while they were asleep. (laughs) So it was a great arrangement. I think that just, number one, it's amazing like that you can pull. And and I think to outsiders looking in, it looks like you pulled off some kind of like magic situation that is only nuanced to you and no one else can really do that. And it's not repeatable. But we know from the inside that it's it's absolutely repeatable. The, The details might be a little bit different and the exact arrangement might be a little bit different. But it's absolutely repeatable for really anyone. And I, I, best practice is not my thing when it comes to a lot. And I, I tend to be the type who sort of does something and then I'll, I'll ask for forgiveness instead of ask for permission. So for me, it was always, I just thought, how would you know where I am, right? Like, and in your situation, it's a little bit different. But for me, I was always looking to just avoid the conversation. And it was like, I'll travel wherever I want to go. And I'll be available from... 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., where the client is, same as always, they're not going to notice the difference. And I'm going to do whatever I want because a lot of people call it working from home. But the reality is in Salesforce careers, it's not working from home. It's working from anywhere, anywhere where you can bring your laptop, plug it up if you need to, and you have quality internet. And I'll say quality internet is a stretch, like what you call quality internet. Because my home internet right now is like 10 up, 10 down. Like it's not great. But I'll tell you, it's better than when we did a one-year RV trip and I had four clients and I was making over $200,000 a year working part-time. And I literally worked off of my phone, tethering to my phone using... I was on Verizon as a hotspot and we went from Tampa all the way north to Michigan and then west to California and then north into Canada and cover that entire area. And were there some spots where it was like, yeah, the internet was awful and I had to drive to a Starbucks to get quality internet and work that day. And there were some days where I just had to say, hey, not available today. The the internet's that bad. But it turns out if you do good work and it all just points to the demand for these jobs, they can't just fire you and hire somebody tomorrow. That's not how this works. There's not a lineup of applications qualified to do this work. So getting rid of you and trying to retrain someone else, like you would have to be pretty awful for them to want to go through that. And that's just the fact, like I've quite literally worked with people who simply just don't do the work. It's like, it'll be done on Friday. And then you ask them on Friday and it's not done. And it's not even done the next Friday. And sure, they get a slap on the wrist, but they never get fired. And it, not that you should do that, but it just goes to show it's not easy to just let talent go and hire new talent in the Salesforce space. So I, I think what I would love to talk about next, because we've everyone I, I believe has covered this, but you know, negotiating and I think salary negotiation might be a little too specific because I think it's more than salary negotiation. It's a lot of other things involved. So I would like to hear from you. 
you know, whether you stuck with your job from day one until today, or if you've, you know, moved companies in between when you started and today, I'd love to understand, you know, why do you make the decision to move to a new company? And is money the number one point of contention or what kind of things are we negotiating for? And I know some of you have already spoken about that, but I'd love to just reiterate how making a decision to stick with the same company or move to a new company is when you're talking about getting to six figures in less than 18 months. So if you don't mind kicking us off, Tucker. Yeah. So like the place where I contracted off at to start and eventually went full time, I had a job offer that was, oh goodness, around 20 grand higher, which that's a substantial amount of money to get a raise in. I presented to my company of where I was at, where I was currently located at and what the offer was. They matched. I really didn't want to leave. I was probably going to turn it down if they didn't even match it because I liked the company I was at so much. Like 20 grand is a lot of money. But again, that goes with that job flexibility in, in your lifestyle decision making, you know, and being able to mold it to you. But through that, I was like, you know what? I know where I'm at. I'm comfortable with it. I presented to them. They came in. They matched it. And from there, I was kind of like, you know what? I have a boss. My grandparents have Alzheimer's. I need to help be there for them when they need it. And that was like, yeah, it's three hours difference in time right now for me. But that three hours to them, me able to spend a little bit of time with them as they're still halfway good. And I use the term halfway good like loosely because I don't want to be rude. Like my grandpa, I FaceTimed him the other day. He didn't even know who I was. Um, but to be able to have those FaceTime communications in the middle of the day when I should be working or when I'm like I'm getting ready to drop everything, I told my boss, hey, I need to go help my grandparents sort some things out. I'm going to be gone for a few days. He didn't question it during that time. And like when I switched jobs, I made sure through that interview and that negotiation just to be able to work wherever you want is just one of it. And like I got coworkers who have family issues clear over in, oh goodness, one's in India, one was in India. And now I got another one who's in Jordan and Qatar for the rest of the month. And he was able just to be like, hey, I'm going to go work from here. Perfect. Like I'm literally looking at Airbnbs right before this. I'm probably booking one right after in Kentucky just because I want to go visit and get away from Nebraska for a little bit. No matter how good the state is to me, I got to be able to be able to like reset, but still get the job done at the end of the day. And like I have unlimited PTO, but at the end of the day, like I have a big project starting up and you still have those responsibilities that follow you rather if you take the time off or not. So I'll come in there when I was approached by a recruiter after I'd been with my job for about nine or 10 months, and I was offered a significant more amount of money. I thought about it, but I realized I was actually really happy with my current job. So I talked to them and that was a difficult conversation. It was the first time I'd actually taken the reins and said, okay, we need to have this conversation about where I am and where I'm going. What do you see for me? Because this is what I would like to do. And fortunately, they came back very quickly with a similar increase. And I did stay for another five months, but I realized after that period of time, so now we're talking more like a year and four months, that I wanted to learn different ways of how projects were run and how other people work. So I specifically looked for a company that used agile methods and ran in sprints and with project managers, because that's what I wanted to learn. And that's how I'd realized I wanted to work. So I also initially with the company I was with was quite small. And during that time, they merged or were bought out by another company that is global. And that wasn't the environment that I wanted to be in. So that was a big focus with the next job when I was interviewing, is that I went back down to a smaller boutique company. That's the people and environment that I wanted to work in. So they were all factors that were part of my negotiation and consideration when I was making that jump. So I want to jump in here. Part of the reason you guys had, I guess, the confidence and were able to negotiate these would be because you continued learning. Does that sound about right? You guys didn't stop, like, just got the admin cert. I got my job. I'm good. Don't need to learn anymore. I think each and every one of you continued learning, continued earning certs. And I, I know, Tanya, we were talking about this earlier before the show, that you're probably one of the main reasons I was able to negotiate a big raise at my current consultancy. You're the one that talked me into getting my Scrum Master Cert. And because of that, I was put on a job as a Scrum Master by my consultancy. So thank you for that. But I guess my question is, what well, one, how do you guys stay motivated and how do you guys even find the time 
to study. Well, four days a week. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Okay. This is for Denison and Tucker then. How do you guys find the time to study with these big six-figure jobs? I can tackle this first. So my first role was as an internal admin. So just kind of getting to touch different systems really helped me study for platform app builder. So that was kind of built-in studying for me. And then when I switched to consultant role, I was touching a lot of different orgs. And in terms of studying, I think people overthink it and have to like make it this huge event. And for me, my personal take is, you know, compare it to like the cost of an, a college education. You know, these certs are $200 compared to like college tuition. Like, And then there are also vouchers that you can take to make these exams not cost anything. Basically, what I'm, what I'm trying to, to say is like, it's a marathon, not a sprint in terms of certifications. Yeah, like finding time to study for me was always one of the biggest parts when I was looking at a different job and stuff. Where I'm currently at here with that local bank is they currently have it set to where every other week you set at least an hour out during work time. This is your study period. Go learn something new that's going to help us and help yourself. And I've also shown that I made it a priority through conversations with our solution architect and stuff because that's eventually where I want to be is I want to be a solution architect. And I was asking him how he got to where he did and stuff like that. And yeah, he took a little bit different of a path, but you know, he's done all the search. He's been there. He's done it. And through that, like we've kind of muddled out that path for us. And he's put me on tasks that he knows is going to help force that study in a little bit more than what otherwise would have been done. So like the biggest thing is being able to communicate like where you want to go to your company. And it's always part of that negotiation of, yeah, you're here now with them, but as part of that continued education and negotiation at the same time is where do I want to be? Where do I see myself? Where do they see you being able to mold in? And the vast reality is you're not always going to be the perfect fit forever for the company you're at. As much as you like that job, it's it's just not the way it is. It's a harsh reality. Like I see some people on my team been there for 30, 40, almost, almost 40 years. Like that's a long time to be at one job. And I look at it as, yeah, you've been there. That's great. But what salary increases are you missing out on? And what lifestyle adjustments are you missing out on due to that? And then obviously I have to do stuff off the clock. You know, that's just part of it, of wanting to get it. Like right now I'm kind of going a little bit different path. I've vetoed doing the advanced admin. I have it all already bought on Focus on Force. And I'm starting to go down that advanced path a little bit more with the solution architect. I'm getting into the data architect. I'm getting ready to start learning some lightning web components and stuff like that to be able to do some different filtering and stuff on mobile to desktop UIs and stuff. So it's just kind of like taking on what you don't know on the job to kind of like what Denison said, to do your studying. Like on the job training is the best studying you can do. I think that also is true for me in that the more time I've spent in different orgs and working with different clients helped me to understand that I wanted to go more down the design path and so I've focused on um, the UX designer and also strategy designer. And whilst I've built my technical skills, my strength is really working with clients and understanding and building a product that they actually want and need and can use. That's what I want to be part of is that initial discovery and the design. So, And I'm lucky that the company I'm working with are supportive of that, that they're embracing it and creating different roles for it. So I feel very grateful. It's interesting because at the end of the day, you're all talking about the same thing, but you know, I'm hearing a variety of different approaches and different things you guys are learning to advance your careers. And I, I think what it comes from is effectively, it's not a one size fits all. It's not, hey, you land your first job and by year one, you should have these two certifications and you should have this particular credential through Scrum or whatever else. It's not like that. It's really up to you. And this is like getting back to the clarity that you're all speaking with is what you're doing is you've all landed your first job and you've paid attention to what you enjoy about work and what you don't enjoy about work and the things you want to work more on and the things you want to work less on and you don't want to be involved in that. And you're not just following a path blindly and saying, well, I watched a video of somebody on YouTube who said the next certification is this. And it's like, well, that's not how life works. Like we don't just progress the exact same way as all of our peers. It, it makes absolutely no sense. So again, you, you all are designing your careers. I mean, that's what it is. You're not just sitting there and saying the hamster wheel standard path is what I would like to follow. You're saying my career should be something like, let's not be naive. We're not going to wake up every Monday morning and so excited 
about going to work. Like that's probably never going to be a reality for something you do 40 hours a week for multiple years, but it can be a reality that you don't hate Monday and you're not going, man, like, what am I going to do? The same garbage I was doing last week. I got to do it again this week. And the answer is no, like you're going to have new challenges, new problems to face. And if you're smart, you're going to always be challenging yourself to learn just a little bit. Like you don't want to work all weekend long, but you want something that isn't easy, that makes you have to push yourself a little bit harder, learn a little bit more. And if you do that consistently, you become more and more and more and more valuable to the point where even for you guys, it may sound insane today. So like for listeners who haven't landed a Salesforce job yet, thinking about making $70,000 entry level probably sounds crazy. And then thinking about being 18 months into their job, making $100,000 probably sounds even crazier. And for you guys, the idea of looking up and being five years into your job and making $300,000 probably sounds crazy, but it's very likely. It's almost inevitable. If you continue on the path you're on of, this is what I like, this is what I don't like. I'm going to learn in this way because I want to get better at my job and spend more time doing the things I love. And if you love your job just a little bit and you get a little bit better every single week, then inevitably when you look up 48 months from now, you're going to be worth a 300K paycheck minimum. And that's just the reality of it. So I love this conversation and really just, you know, the lean in that we've gotten from all of you and sharing your stories and being so transparent. I mean, we went from talking about four day work weeks and international travel and being able to plan a wedding with less stress and buying historic homes and making 100K salaries less than two years into your careers. You know, just so much information that you've shared today. And I think when you go back and listen to this, you're going to go wow, like I got to share a lot of my story. And so I just want to thank everyone who joined us today for taking time to share how you've been successful in more ways than just making a bunch of money. So I think that's going to be really valuable. So thanks. Yes. Thank you guys. And for those who are listening, who are interested in maybe a six-figure career, why not? Head over to talentstacker.com forward slash start to sign up for the free five-day challenge. And if you're listening to the show and you're, you feel like you're getting value, you're like, hey, listening to, to Bradley and Anita talk about the Salesforce stuff, it's not so bad, then maybe consider subscribing and leaving a review. And the only thing is it needs to be a five-star review. So just leave us a review. And then if you can leave some written feedback, that would be amazing. Feel free to ask any questions you have in your review. And if you want the chance to hear your voice potentially on the show, then head over to talentstacker.com forward slash voicemail. And you can actually leave us a voicemail with your questions and we'll get those answered live on the show. So thanks everyone for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us today. To get started for free on your own Salesforce career, go to talentstacker.com forward slash start or check the show notes. There you'll find all the resources you need to start earning 60 to 80,000 in as little as eight months, no matter your education or career background. The Salesforce for Everyone podcast was produced by Edmund T and engineered by Andrew Mendonza. If you like what we do at this Scrappy Can Do podcast, please help others find us by leaving a five-star rating and a great review on whichever platform you're listening to us right now. See you next time.